It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. We are in no position to be able to defend ourselves in any way whatsoever. Ireland is defenceless. Every time that it happens, we have to talk about how the good men feel. Help us. Without you backing us, putting it on the air and telling the people how important it is, then it wouldn't have gone anywhere. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818-969696. Extra WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. 75... Michael Collins, as, 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 as they got yesterday. 75 of them. So there were 75 free pints and 75 T-shirts they had to give out in that little pub in Town yesterday. What a great occasion it was. And what a busy Michael Collins weekend we just had. I looked at the Bale Law highlights on the television last night and I attended that event ah, more than once, I'd say four or five times over the years just reporting on it remember being down there particularly when Brian Lenehan the late Brian Lenehan became the first ever Fianna Fáil minister to address it and there was Bill O'Hurley he addressed it another year that was down there for that but there was never a crowd like that I don't know if they even expected that many to show up it was an enormous crowd at Bail and if you know the place at all you'll know that how they managed to stuff them in it was a miracle of of military organisation but well done. And your newspapers are full of all sorts of commemorative stuff this morning, particularly your broadsheets. Um, the Examiner excels itself. It has pages and pages and pages and pages of historical stuff about uh, Michael Collins, for example, reproducing how it was reported, uh, his original murder back in 1922. Very, very, very interesting. Uh, all of your newspapers absolutely full of it. You know, one question, though, that was going around people's minds last night was, is that young soldier all right? Although I think he walked away. I think he got up and he walked away. The young soldier who collapsed in the heat because it was 23 or 24 degrees and he's standing there in blazing sunshine in a bull's wool uniform for hours on end, uh, standing to attention 
And that happens to soldiers. It's quite common, actually, that soldiers standing to attention like that for long periods in warm weather in the in the woolly uniform will collapse. Um, some people were suggesting on social media last night that, you know, Leah Radkar is a qualified doctor and, and should have jumped in to help, but, but he didn't. Now, the army has its own protocol when someone collapses on parade because it's not something that's a surprise to them. They kind of know what to do. So there would have been an army medic or someone who knew exactly what to do there within seconds. Whether or not Leo, being a doctor himself, should have intervened or not, that's a matter for your own thoughts, I, I don't But I, I'd love to know who was that young soldier, uh, and is he okay? Uh, we'd hope he is. Is he a local lad? Did he come from down the country? Where is he from? Be interesting to know. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. good morning to you. Um, busy weekend we had across many different platforms. One was the Michael Collins, and then the other one was a huge crowd that showed up for the FUS match. Very well attended on Saturday. Talking to the organisers here during the week, FUS turning to fury um, because, as Rebecca said to us last week, even the letter that they handed to Micheál Martin outside City Hall a few weeks back, the letter that they haven't even had an email of acknowledgement from his office, and, and people are getting very, very angry about false. Now, there's some good news this morning with therapists being returned to schools. I haven't had a proper read off it yet, but people are happy enough with that. But I want to talk first this morning to Karen Crowley um, about her son, Fionn. He's one of the young people affected by a lack of services. And moreover, Karen Fionn is coming up to the time in his life now, <clears throat> beg your pardon, where he will... He will transition from junior, from children's services to adult services, and that in itself is a worrying time. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you this morning? Good. Lovely to talk to you. Tell me about Fionn. Um, Fionn is 17. He's nonverbal. He's autistic. And he's incontinent. Nice. Um, it's, it's, it's very difficult. It is extremely difficult Communication is a problem. There's a lot of different things going on. Has he any words at all, Karen? No? No, unfortunately, we don't. But Fionn has his own way of communicating with me and others. Nice. And in his own way, he's very gentle. Good. And does he use things like pecs or anything like that? He uses pecs, but he's inclined, he has pica, so he's inclined to mouth things. Okay. He's inclined to put things into his mouth. Okay. So it's very hard for it to hand him something because he's going to put it directly into his mouth. Okay. So we do have the iPads, but in saying that, he is notorious for throwing things and breaking things and, yeah. you know, things like that. So it's difficult and he, he we restrict the iPad time. Yeah. What kind of supports do you have for him? Um, at the moment, I have got three hours of home support with the Brothers of Charity per week, and that's it at the moment. Mm. Is he going and to school? Is, he, oh, he goes to school, yeah. He's in a, a special school in Cork. Okay. And he's picked up, I take it, every day and brought to Yeah, 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 yeah. And okay. he, like, it's a long, it's a long spin in, into Cork, but he, luckily he manages. Can I ask him what school he goes fella. to? Um, yeah, he's in St. Gabriel's Special School. Oh, great place, great place. They do great work there. Fairly yeah, soon. fantastic. And the school has been renovated this year, so it'll be brilliant for this, the kids going into the school in the future. Yeah. Sean's coming up to a difficult time now, isn't he? Because <clears throat> once he turns 18, an awful lot of stuff just falls away. Yeah, 
big time. Like it's, I'm, I'm dreading it already. Um, but thankfully, we've started the process of um, doing the forms. So I've already sent in his uh, all his information into Enable Ireland, who Fionn is under at the moment. Right. And we've we've started that process. Thankfully. Like, have you been able to earmark or look? towards an adult service for him or is he does he qualify um, for adult not services? At, not at the moment. I'm looking around myself. Yeah. Um I haven't really had a good chat about it, but I'm, you know, looking up bits and pieces myself and hopefully we'll get him into the appropriate placing for him mm. next September. So now, I think what's bothering you most, Karen, and it was troublesome was that look, school is school and it's great and whatever supports he has, but it all fell away for the summer. So you were left with him all the time. Yeah, it's it's very hard, and Fionn is inclined to get get into these kind of rages or meltdowns. Yeah. And he has broken the front door of the summer. He's broken other things in the house. It's very difficult. We do our damn best. I I'd love to do more for him, I but. Know. Yeah. And when he breaks the door, he doesn't back, mean it. Like, he doesn't mean any harm. It's just... No, 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 he doesn't mean it. Fionn is, is a gentle giant. He's just he's just frustrated, that's all. Would, yeah. he, would he be the kind of lad, Karen, who doesn't kind of know his own strengths? A little bit, a little bit. He loves, he loves the outdoors and he loves trees and leaves and he loves all that kind of thing and that, that's what makes Fionn happy. I know. So, yeah. So it's very that. hard... I to keep hear, him inside. I know. I can hear the tension in, in your voice. It's not. It's not yeah. easy. No, it's a, it's not easy. But you know I, what keeps me going is fighting for Fionn. Yes. Doing my best for Fionn and advocating for Fionn the best way I can. Yes. Yes. And who takes care of you? <laughs> I take care of myself. My, I have my lovely daughter Chloe. Mm. My daughter Chloe. Uh, she's uh, third third year, or she's going into her fourth year in college, so she's been a great support over the summer, and I have my partner, Finbar. Okay. So, they're fantastic. Good. They're fantastic. Good. Good. Yeah. So, is he going back to Gabriel's now? Oh, he is, yeah. He's got another year in St. Gabriel's because he doesn't turn 18 until... November, so yes. he won't finish until the June. Thank, yeah, he gets thankfully. he gets the year. We we had the same yeah, situation. Yeah, I think it's to do with the age, Tis, yeah. something like that. It's, it's when yeah. you turn eighteen, if you turn, if you turned eighteen in the summer, you'd be goosed. But turning eighteen, yeah, 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 at, least, yeah. at least that's the blessing there. Yeah, uh, you must worry very much what's going to happen after Gabriel's. I do, and as I said now, I am looking into everything. I'm like the FBI looking up things <laughs> because I research and I, I check and I fill out forms and I want to make sure that everything is right for Fionn and that everything will, will, will go smoothly in his uh, transition. Do you ever get the feeling that you'd like to catch someone by the shoulders and shake them and go, do you know what, lads, it doesn't go away when he's 18? Do you not realise that? No, I know. Do you ever want to get? Do you ever get that that notion that you like to do that? <laughs> oh, big time, big time! Yeah, um, just people don't understand what we go through. They just don't realise how hard we have it. Yes. Like they think they think it's easy. They think that children 
are like the high functioning, that they're normal. But this this is not the case. There's children with all different disabilities and all different challenges and struggles. And not one child is the same. Not one child is the same. They all have their own little little uh, quirks and mm-hmm. things like that. And, you know, no child with autism is exactly the same. You mm-hmm. can't put a ruler on them and say, look, look, this, this, that and the other. Yeah. They're all different. And it's the parents who know that, isn't it, Karen? Yeah, all oh, definitely. And it's the parents who have to fight for their kids, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And it is hard. It is hard. What's what's his typical day now? He's off at the moment, so is he up now? Um, he's a, He woke up at 2 o'clock this morning, so I'm awake I was awake at two o'clock. Thankfully, he went back to sleep. So he's above in bed now at the moment. So I'll be waking him there now shortly as soon as I get off the phone. And when when he gets uh, up at two o'clock, then is he likely to start going around, yeah? Oh, yeah. uh, If he wakes during the night, I have to get up with him. There's no question about it. I have to stay with him because it's too dangerous. He has to be be monitored. Would you try to get out, like? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He go, he go first. He go, go out. Try and go out, even though the door is locked. But he tried to, he he break the door already during the summer. So like, you have to, you have to monitor him all the time. Sure, he has to be monitored. And how how long was he was he awake before he went back to sleep? Um, he was awake for about an hour, an hour, maybe two. Okay. Um, and how do you this per- is this is kind of regular over the summer. How do you persuade you know, him back so, to sleep then? How do you persuade him to... Well, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse is absolutely fantastic. He, lo- he loves it. Right. He absolutely loves it. And uh, Disney Plus is the best thing they ever put on the, on the television. And has he got that in the bedroom, yeah? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. On his iPad, we have it everywhere. Yeah, yeah. He'll just, will, he, will he engage with that then he will and... Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, he loves it. It's just yeah. all the colours and the mm. lights and mm. all the bits and pieces. Yeah, so he's got, he's got, definitely needs the visual stimulus of it, so. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. But when he goes back to school then, I suppose he'll be tired, so he'll probably sleep better, will he? He'll sleep better, but like, Fionn is six foot two, and I find that when he comes home from school, he'd be very tired. He, he has to go for a nap during yes. the day because yeah. he's so exhausted. And for such a tall young man to be so tired, it's it, he's he's absolutely drained. He's yeah. you know it's that, that, it takes a lot out of him. That's not uncommon, Karen. I certain young man of my own acquaintance, shall we say, comes in yeah, every yeah, day yeah. from his services. I pick him up at two o'clock, and every day he comes in and he goes for a nap. We're just used to it. Now. Yeah, he goes. Well, yeah, yeah. Because they, and they they, they need it. They need Their it. bodies need it. They absolutely do. They absolutely do. So. Yeah, and, and as well as that, I think he needs OT. When was the last time you saw his occupational therapist? Um, good question. I don't know. You don't know? Don't know. And as I said before, Fionn has a low tone, so he needs to be seen by an occupational therapist, but the referrals have gone in. But because of this processing of disability services... I know that the services are supposed to come back to the school, but we don't know when Fionn will see a, a therapist now. Will they prioritise him because he's leaving school? I don't know. But Has sure he look, ever I'll, seen the therapist, Karen? 
he has seen an occupational therapist because it's been years ago. Obviously, the COVID has put a dent in everything. Sure, sure. But, um, yeah, you, you sure look, you, you can't do anything about, about that. And you just have to just try and push it now for him for the, this year coming. Yeah, I guess for yourself and, you know, parents are allowed to think about themselves too. You, when he goes back to school next week, will you, will you get into bed and have a couple of hours sleep during the day? I'll be going to work next Thursday when he goes. Will you? When he goes back. Yeah, work I'm, working, well? I'm working. I'm and, working and done. Oh, crikey. It's hard going because, and like, you might often have to get up there during the night with him and then go do a day's work. Yeah, yeah, I do, yeah. Regularly, and it's still going to work. That's hard going. That's hard. Were you at the march on Saturday? Um, I no, I wasn't. No, to be fair, um, I just wasn't able to take Fionn in because I was up the night before with Fionn, right. so I just was super exhausted. I was hoping to because I totally believe in what they're saying, and it's it's unreal the way the country is being is just overlooking disability at the moment. It's just crazy. Yeah. It's, they just seem to be pushing a blinkers on where, where it's concerned. Yeah, almost as if they pretend it isn't there, it'd go away. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, like, we're here and we want to be heard. Our children are here. They're the future, you know, that we... <sighs> Yeah, sorry. No, you're listen, Karen. You're all right. I can, I can, I can hear it in your voice, and and I've been down this road myself. So yeah. worrying about yeah, what happens know. after school. I know you know where we're know, going. Coming I know exactly from. where you are. Exactly where you are. I do indeed. Good luck with everything, girl. Thank you so much, PJ, and thank you, thank you for having me on this morning. Take care. That's Karen Crowley. Uh, Fionn is a six foot two inch young man. Um, and going back to school next week but then what happens next year nobody knows and does anybody actually care other than his mammy you'd wonder wouldn't you 0818 96 96 96 Kate says I'd invite the likes of Michal Martin and Leah Varadkar for tea into people's houses so they could see what it's like to struggle with situations like that I think they literally don't understand the everyday pressures 0818 96 96, 96. There are those who would say, looking back at Michal Martin's time in education, there are those who would say that without his time in education, there'd be nothing there for kids with autism. And you know what? There's a certain amount of merit in that. But as Taoiseach, he hasn't even replied to a letter from the Fuss March people. So, not good enough, Taoiseach. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. On your radio every afternoon with the best tunes from the biggest names like these guys. My name is George Ezra. Hi, I'm Lizzo. This is Harry Styles. I am always good for a giveaway. You're very good, thanks a million. And the random stuff like House Envy. Can you see the water from where you are? I can. It's beautiful, yeah. Any interest in doing a bit of Airbnb, Gillian? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
Simon Murdoch, midday to 4 p.m. With Sky VIP. At Sky, everyone's a VIP. Visit the VIP section of the My Sky app to discover your rewards. On Cork's 96 FM. Now, quite a turnout at that first march on Saturday afternoon, and good to see. And they'll organise other ones until they get uh, movement. That one this morning, I must try and get details of what's actually happened, what's been announced this morning, because to be honest, I'm a small bit behind the curve on it. But one of the things that was lost from schools over this umbrella service, this progressive disability service palaver, it's been reversed. And I'll get more of that during the morning. But let's go to Elva. Elva, good morning. You've two lads. Good morning. Hi, PJ. I do. So um, I have three children, the eldest of whom, Aideen, is neurotypical. Um, My two boys then, Oren, 10, and Killeen, 7, they're both autistic, and Killeen is also ADHD. Okay. A handful. It is a handful, yeah. No, you're right. It is. No, they're fantastic boys, um, but there is no support there for... For them, you know, Oren was, I suppose, four when we seriously considered that there were issues at play we needed help with. Mm. Privately, we sought support um, through our GP, who's been, you know, an excellent help to our family since the birth of my daughter, actually. Um, We went to play therapists privately and we went to a psychologist privately. And eventually my GP felt that his worsening mental health, age seven, was such that he should be referred to CAMS. Um, Eventually we were seen on a Zoom call by CAMS at the beginning of the pandemic. So, you know, we were very grateful to be seen. Mm. They mentioned he might be autistic. In my naivety, off I went and got an autism assessment done. I did put him on the public lists. But when I brought the autism report back to CAMS, they let me know then that they don't deal with children who are autistic. Yeah, yeah. So even though his mental health issues persist and he has been re-referred urgently by our GP and indeed by his uh, service provider, his CDNT for autism, um, CAMS won't take him on because he doesn't fit their criteria. Obversely, then, they tell us that our service provider, our CDNT, should meet his mental health needs, um, but they don't have any offering in that area. Uh, they have 0.8 of one psychologist for 650 children. We're with CDNT 11, and that's the number. Just, that just they, for the benefit of listeners, Elva, just remind again mm-hmm. what CDNT means. So it's a children's disability network team. Okay. Um, so a number of years ago, uh, children's disability services were reorganised. That's right. The stated purpose of which was to give continuity of care for children from 0 to 18, for that care to be multidisciplinary for complex cases where that was needed. My children are complex. Yeah. Uh, they're complex and they have complex needs. Um, and it was to be family-led. Now, the reality of that, as you're familiar with, is, you know, it's nothing of the sort. Mm. It has meant that even though Warren's report was accepted several years ago, and he now doesn't exist on any wait list, he is not receiving any services. He's a number on the list of our CDNT. He's being funded 
to that service provider because he's on their books, mm. but he's not receiving any support. In fact, the new Progressing Disabilities Service Model, so PDS, says that they should meet the needs of 90% of their clients with universal intervention. So I suppose to put that in context, a child may have needs in one area like physio and they can go down a route to have that need met in the community. Now, that system isn't working fantastically either. But a ch- children like mine have needs in several areas. They're deemed complex. So for my children, it's in occupational te- therapy, SLT, speech and language mm. therapy and psychology. And they should then be with this complex team where the team members discuss their needs and provide support bespoke to the needs of my kids. But in reality, all that has been offered is uh, generic webinars with pretty basic information, Mm. um, you know, provided by people who are not trainers. This isn't their job. They're clinicians, you know. And of course, I'd hasten to add that this is not the fault of any clinicians. It's a systemic issue. It's yes. um, it's an issue where the HSE is trying to paper over the cracks with good news stories that aren't really that good news like we've seen in the paper indeed, today. Indeed, you know? indeed, indeed. Now, you had Oren went through CAMS and then CAMS, once they knew he was autistic, they didn't want, well, they, they don't deal. You had the similar situation, did you, with, with is it Killeen is his name? With Killeen. Yeah, I did. So I suppose Cam's perspective on this, as they have explained it to me, is that, of course, they make decisions based on clinic, you know, clinical observation, but they are also constrained by budgetary reasons. So they're saying they're not funded to support autistic kids, that their CDNT is, and their CDNT's funding has given them 0.8 of a psychologist for 650 kids. Of course, it's not just a funding issue. It's also a hiring and retention of staff issue. The turnover I've seen with their CDNT is outrageous. We've had five network managers um, in the period of time that that service has been in existence, which is, yeah, In a couple of years. And I don't, in about 18 months, I would say, um, So it's not that I blame those individuals, you know, it's a high stress environment. It's it to me seems complicated in structure. Um, I would suggest that there isn't always the support there they need. But for us, the end users, the reality of this means you begin to advocate for your child with a service. You begin to make those connections with the service provider and the clinicians within that. But they turn over so quickly, your child becomes lost again. Yeah. I only found out on Friday that um, the last network manager had left in me, you know, so even though I had open emails with that person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yes, my younger son was also referred to CAM. So Kaleen is seven now. He was referred at six um both my children attend a mainstream school um and he was finding that very challenging you know um and it was really really affecting his quality of life at home and at school and it was very difficult for school to manage even though they were hugely supportive and continue to be so he was referred as an urgent referral by my gp in february of last year for adhd assessment and he had his first appointment this week. So 18 months later, I mean, in the life of a six-year-old, 18 months is a huge Eternity. amount of time, you know. It's yeah. a quarter and of their life. It is. And what 
you know, what makes me sad and upset and angry is the missed opportunity that's there. And I know this from many of my friends who have children with additional needs, that you can see the potential your kid has. Mm -hmm. You can see how support and intervention in a timely manner can help them have a calmer, more fulfilled quality of life. But that logical approach isn't there. You, you can know? see, Elva, when when something works, when someone comes into their life and does something and it works and you see a little spark in the eye that says this is working and then yes. it's snatched away again. It is. Because That's heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. Now, we are in a fortunate position that in the interim, I was able to pursue private assessment for Killeen. Um, now, I sought, and we have sought private therapies all through the kids' lives, yeah, yeah. right? We're, you know, lucky to be in that position. But it's not um, a straightforward process either. So in Cork, you know, we're one of the worst affected CDNTs in the country. We have, I think, about 60% staffing levels in the CDNTs. So there's children there we're not receiving any therapy services or supports and families, you know, not to forget their siblings and parents and grandparents and everybody else who's affected. Their schoolmates are all affected by these unmet needs. So parents then are looking for private supports. And now the waiting lists in Cork are huge for private supports as well. In my, my own experience in the last number of months, it's been um, six months waiting list for occupational therapy and around the same for speech and language. So I sought um, a private assessment for Killeen in every county in Munster to no avail. And I ended up taking him to Dublin. Um, so you know, I had to have health insurance to access that appointment. And luckily we did. And we began a medication that has really changed the quality of life that Colleen has because you mentioned the spark in his eyes he's mm. like himself again you know it's fantastic Good. he's able to participate better in school and he's even coming back to his local GA team who've been fantastic Fabulous. however at this one appointment at CAMS this week they've told me they can't accept that report they don't accept that this professional who is qualified to assess and identify See, and medicate this, for this, this crack, this crack is still it. going on this crack is still going on that they don't you have to go out to the private sector get your assessment get it written up yeah. by perfectly well qualified people and then you bring it back and you present it to the public sector and say, no, we don't recognise that yeah. That's, that. and I have a friend in Dublin who was able to go this route and able to access CAM support then but in Cork I was told we'll get a uh, what was it a Calm Southly assessment. Um, so in order to do that, right, you have to do screening reports. And for those to be accurate, Colleen will need to be off his medication. So I'm now in the position where can I actually do that to him and bring his quality of life back to where it was to prove to people that yes, he is affected. That sounds where, cruel. Where, you know, the medication it? wouldn't work if he didn't have the That's, need. That sounds cruel. Or do I continue it? to bring him to Dublin for treatment, even though as a seven-year-old autistic ADHD kid, that journey is really tough, tough for him, you know? Yeah. So may I, I feel may like I ask you Elva, do everything do, you can. <laughs> may I ask, do, do, yes. do, do they speak? I mean, are they aware of their... They do. Right. Yeah, so... My children would have low support needs verbally, um, academically, physically. They'd have high support needs socially and emotionally. Okay. And 
I think that can be difficult to explain. And I suppose I'm not that keen into going into specifics about these kids who are out in our community and maybe don't want everyone knowing their private business. But just because your kid can speak doesn't mean that they don't have other issues that are just as difficult. So I'd say Orin in particular is a, you know, academically a super bright child, loves school, loves hurling, is actually, I would say that is a special interest at the moment. Um, But emotionally, he struggles a lot. He's a big kid. He can have a lot of meltdowns and outbursts. He's, you know, as big as I am. And that is very challenging for us at home for his siblings and for all of our mental health, you know. Um, Equally, Colleen is just, you know, beautiful, smart, happy little dude. Um, He's really, he's had such struggles in school which have been impactful on his, on the staff of our school and on the kids there and on himself. Mm. Now, school is another, um, you know, under-resourced area. We're in a developing school in Cork and because of that they're very affected by the freezes that are in place for hiring of SET and SNA support. So our schools like every other school their their resource numbers are at those of three years ago but our school is developing so we have maybe 300 more children this year than we would have had three years ago but the same number of resource teachers and the same number of SNEs so it's like the loaves and the fishes in there you know everyone is doing their best but it's hard to provide the support so there is no aspect of the public services system that is working for children like mine, you know. Mm. Um, and you must worry. You must worry terribly uh, about what the future holds for your boys. Yeah. Of course, I worry. You know, um, I could see with Colleen that he was slipping out of school. You know, um, school anxiety is a very real problem for children like mine. Um, we've worked through it well with Oren and we have him in school often. But for Killeen, that's not possible. It's like sending him somewhere he's terrified, you know. Um, and that is not because anybody is bullying him or her staff aren't kind. It's, it's overwhelming. Because it's a hugely overwhelming, exactly, mm. sensory environment for him. Um, even instructions or expectation setting, that's all very difficult. Obviously, we, his family you know, seek out support for him privately and we do stuff with him ourselves. But he would very much benefit from a multidisciplinary team, which you can source private, privately, yeah, yeah, where yeah. people speak to each other and work out what's good for him. So last year, you know, when he was in senior infants, we had him on a reduced schedule for four months. We agreed that with school, even though, as we all know, they're illegal arrangements and should not be a solution for kids like this. But what were we to do? He was actually at the point of autistic burnout. Um, And he went to school last year into first class and we kept him out a lot as well. And he couldn't go a lot, you know. So I can see that he's a bright kid who could fall out of the school system. So, of course, I worry for him. Um, If Oren, you know, continues to have such mental health difficulties, what does the future hold for him? We know that neurodivergent kids, so autistic and ADHD kids, have a much higher propensity of all mental health difficulties, anxiety, Mm. depression, anorexia, self-harming, and nobody wants to think that their child could be on that route. Mm. 
So, you know, we'll do everything we can. We just absolutely love if there was some support for kids like ours in the public yeah. systems. You were, you were at the march on Saturday? I was, yeah. So, like, um, I'm not typically one who protests, talks on the radio, you know, this type of thing wouldn't be my my first port of call. I've exhausted all other avenues. I've gone through escalation processes within services. I have made complaints about process at CAMS and CDNT, all aspects of which have been upheld. None of that created any change systemically or for my own children. I've reached out to my local TDs. Um, Only one of them replied to me um, and none of them were able to help or offer really any any support whatsoever. I feel lucky to have found FOSS Ireland, Mm. uh, a group of people like myself, parents and families of children with additional needs who want systemic change. We're not looking to, um, it's not a personal thing. It's a a feedback on a process that Mm. is funded. There's a lot of money going in there. We're not all sure where it's going. My child is funded at a CDNT, but he's not receiving any report. I'd love to be able to ring fence that money. So, yeah, I attended the march, um, the first march in Cork, and I was just, you know, struck by the personal stories of people, the dignity with which people speak and explain their case, because who wants to be doing this? Like, nobody wants to Mm. be standing on Grand Parade telling everybody about your personal life in order to get the supports your kids need. So I was at the the march on Saturday. There was a great turnout there. There were some really powerful speakers and a lot of support from Cork people on the streets, you know. Mm. It's certainly special to walk down Patrick Street and have your own people clapping in support, you know. I just urge them to remember, you know, maybe drop an email to your local TD and ask them why Mm. they weren't supporting us, um, what they're going to do. When you were there on Saturday, um, and I've spoken to a couple of people who've been at the marches now, Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that goes through their minds, I wonder if it goes through yours, is... I can do this a hundred times, but in the back of my mind, I fear nothing will change. Absolutely. And I would say, you know, that goes through my mind. I also think the people who are out there uh, speaking, like myself, they're the tip of the iceberg, you know. There are so many people on Saturday who weren't able to come out, who are snowed under with the situation they have in their own family um, and aren't able to advocate for themselves through this absolute Byzantine system. Um, Honestly, it's as, you know, if you were a sceptical person, you would think it was purposely obtuse to prevent you you from accessing help. I'd also say that um, I don't believe any of this action will have any positive impact on my children's support in the system at all. I think, like myself, a lot of people are hoping for systemic change here. You know know the sad part, and it makes me sad talking to people like yourself and talking to people like Karen before and the many more that I speak to on this programme, is that I was having these conversations 23 and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. 20 years ago. And not only has it not changed, a lot of it's actually gotten worse. Mm-hmm. That's 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 like, the killing part. It's absolutely killing because, you know, I suppose I was in a perfect little bubble where I wasn't aware of all of these issues until I had kids who were in the system and, that's and the needed problem. support. Yeah. 
there's an awful lot of awareness about autism now, as an example. And that's fantastic. I love to see it. Sensory evenings and so on. But children can't even access these things if they don't have the supports, the medical supports that they need for their lifelong conditions. You know, and not everyone will need all of those supports. And people who are autistic have different needs across the gamut. But it drives me crazy, I have to say, that people think autism is is a kind of well-understood, well-supported disability. It isn't in Ireland, you know. We're not getting suitable support for our families to thrive. And I think everyone would expect that their baby, their toddler, their primary school kid, their teenager, their young adult should be able to be supported within our community. We've plenty of money. We have plenty of money. We have plenty of will to change things when we want to. I have to say, I was upset to read that article in the examiner this morning. Um, You know, again, if I were sceptical, I'd wonder about the timing. Great news, therapists are being restored to schools. You know, it said within that article, no, I'll, I'll hasten to add, right, I think it's absolutely the right move to put therapists mm-hmm. back in special schools. There are no therapists. There are children in those schools who cannot access any yeah. healthcare pathway now because of going to those schools. And in fact, if kids in those schools are getting services, it should mean that there is more availability for other kids in other settings. So I completely support the initiative. However, within that article, it says they will recruit and deploy. They've previously spent 38 million on recruiting and didn't yeah. fill the open There are no post. therapists. So what do they this think is, is going to be different now? There are no therapists. There, and the therapists that are there are burning out. Yeah, yeah, There's nothing yeah. done to retain them. In our service They're providers... They're getting on planes to Australia. All of our, yeah. yeah, but even our clinicians are all in different contracts because they've been gathered from all these service providers put together. There is no team feeling. People expect a professional quality of life as well as personal, you know. They also say they'll redeploy. Like, where are they going to redeploy them from? From our CDNT that has about 60% staffing? How will they support that redeployment? Where will the people come from? So, you know, while of course I welcome the news that the intention is to put therapists back in school. I don't believe it for one second that it will happen in August or September this year or next year. Elva, I'll leave it there. How are the two lads day to day, Leslie? Um, we were just coming out of a very tough weekend, so today may not be the day to ask. Look, they're great kids, you know, they're very um, energetic and physical <laughs> and it takes a lot of energy to look after them. And... Um, Personally, I'm looking forward to school opening. Routine is great for them, yeah. um, and it'll be it'll be some stability for them. You live, in, the, you live in their strip stream, I think. Their slipstream, don't you? Yeah, you absolutely do. Your whole life um, is predicated on it. And you know, I have a daughter who yes. is not autistic, and a lot of her life is affected by it too. You know. <laughs> We forget that too. Yeah. It's 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 hard on this. It's hard on the siblings. Very Elva, hard. I'm going to go, especially when you're the good girl in the house. You know. I'm 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 going to go, Elva. You look after yourself and your boys. Thanks and Thank very you much. for talking to me this morning. And you know what? I I sincerely hope. Thank you, Elva. I sincerely hope that that I'm wrong, and that people are wrong by saying that this fuss will achieve nothing long term. But it's got to be done, and it's got to be worth doing. People really, really do. Another call? Okay. 
currently matched your previous score of 9 out of 10. The question I asked you was Drax and Gamora are characters in what movie franchise? You said Guardians of the Galaxy, which was a guess. You've just won yourself 2,000 euros! What are you going to do with the money now? Drop it these. Uh, drop it these in, yeah, no, I don't know. I have to send it. Another winner, there you go, go, go. 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 The two grand minute. Listen to play. At 7.40 and 8.40 every day. Casey and Ross in the morning. On Cork's 96 FM. Now, Sarah. Um, talk Hi, to PJ. Hi, yeah. Uh, talk to me about Callum. Right, so Callum, he's uh, 12... Um, when he was born, he was born with a right-sided um, diaphragmatic hernia. Right. So he had to have multiple operations. Um, he died a few times on the operating table and in the and in the ICU ward, where thankfully the doctors and the nurses were able to survive him, to be able to bring him back. But then we were discharged. Uh, so we came home with a tracheostomy. We came home uh, with him being peg-fed. Um, at this time, he couldn't walk, he couldn't talk, he couldn't eat. Um, when we were planning to leave the COH to come home, we were told that he didn't fall under this disability services at the time um, because he was a healthy boy, but he couldn't do anything. He was just we had to lift him to bring him places. He was in a buggy till he was about four. He couldn't, like, he could walk, but, mm. like, he wouldn't be able to walk a long distance. So mm. we used to put him into a buggy just to, to help him. Um, so I got him to walk. I got him to talk. I got him to kind of eat all by myself. Then he was seen in the early intervention team till he was six. Then he was discharged from them. Then... We went to the normal services where you get an appointment once every so often for a, a block of six weeks speech, a block of six weeks OT, the same for physio. Then I got told um, in, the, in between the first lockdown that we'd be moving to the new disability services team and we'd have one team, what we just for Callum, so... Yeah. Everything what we need would be there, but I'm getting nothing at all, at all for him. Um, like we went to people where he's concerned. We're like, there is something wrong with Callum. There's other things wrong with Callum. Like it's just not a typical two-year-old who's having his terrible twos. There is something else there. But we got told, oh no, no, he's okay, he's okay. It's because he's catching up with everyone else. Yeah. And he's okay. He's okay. Mammy, Mammy always but knows, not. but Mammy's ignored all too often. Yeah, yeah. But he's not. Like, he's 12. We still don't know what's wrong with Callum. Um, we got a, I got a NEPS assessment done for him in school. Um, and I said it to the psychologist who was doing it. I was saying, look, there is other issues there as well. And I explained about him, what he does at home, um, about him having meltdowns if our routine is changed. Um, if I turn around and say, okay, come on, we need to go to town. He can't understand it. He can't accept, oh no, but this is my routine. 
This is what I have to do. So I'm doing up social stories to help him. They are helping him. But I, there's always so much I can do. There's always so much Googling I can do to try and find out how to help my child. So when we got told he has this, he has traits of autism, go and get it. We were grand, this is great. Eventually, someone is listening to us. So off we went, sent off the, the report, uh, got to get told, oh, yeah, sorry, we won't be able to do your assessment. He will be transferred back to the HSE again. I was like, we literally just left the HSE, and now you're sending us back. So after a few months fighting down on the phone, trying to find out where his report is, we got the assessment done. This is great. This is brilliant. We're going on holidays. We will know how to help Callum. Two guards the report back said, oh, no, sorry, your child doesn't have autism. He has traits of ADHD. Hang on, but what is ADHD? To me, ADHD is people who who are suicidal, who have really bad mental issues. That's what ADHD was to me. You're not supposed to know that. You're just a mum. You're not going to know what that is. Yeah. That's it. So then off I had to go ring in people again, find out what is ADHD, what does it do? To actually get told from ADHD Ireland, oh no, that your child could have autism, but that's grand. But they might have ADHD with traits of autism, and that's where our autism signs are. It's in with the ADHD, but now... We're need to try and get Callum into a different service now to get his ADHD assessment done all in one month because I now need to try and find a secondary school who will take Callum next next year. Oh God. So and, and they, they won't look at him without an exact proper no. diagnosis. No, nothing at all. Even he has a learning disability. He has learned this why can't he go to a normal school? But are you going to give me um, an SNA? Are you going to leave Callum be able to do the the work what he needs to do? Well, he can't do normal first first year work. Callum is in sixth class now in September, but he's already doing second class work. And then they expect him to go into secondary school where he has to go straight in and do full on first year work. He can't do that. Sarah. I'm going to have to stop it for no reason other than time with you, but I think you've laid your cards very, very flat and very clear on the table. You're just another parent living through the nightmare that is trying to deal with disability services in this country. And it, yeah. and it is that. It is a total nightmare. All I can do is wish you wish you luck. Uh, and, yeah, thanks. All right, and my best to you and to Callum and everybody else. And those stories, you could fill a morning with them. You absolutely could. Hear only the freshest hits of 2022. Or train harder while we pump out the bangers. The Hit Mix and the Fit Mix are streaming live right now. On the Cork's 96FM app. Download it today. Download it today. Listen on your smart speaker or go to 96FM.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? 
The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. 0818969696. Text to WhatsApp or voice note to 083 396 Your email for the show, opinion at 96fm.ie. That is probably the best way to contact us if you listen, as it were, out of hours. If you listen to our podcasts, which we put up every day, or if you listen to our overnight repeat show, and many people do uh, in different parts of the world, different time zones of the world, if you want to contact us, uh, as I say, out of hours, opinion at 96fm.ie. Always the best way to do it. Now, uh, it's 275 days. It might, you might not even have thought of it. In fact, the chances are you haven't even thought about it yet. But it's 275 days to the next Cox 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon in May of 2023. And we'll be starting to work on that very, very soon here uh, in uh, the radio station in Cox 96FM. And uh, we'll bring it to, to you next May like we've done for the last number of years. But why do I bring that up now? It's because Kevin Foley uh, was a man who was on the Radiothon last May. He was on the 2022 Cork's 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon. Kevin had been told that his cancer was terminal when he approached us asking if he could be part of the Radiothon for 2022. Now, I've known Kevin for 30 years or more, and Fergal would have known him too. Kevin was a DJ, he was a roadie, he was the guy who drove the van. He was well-known and very well-loved in the entertainment business around town. We gigged together all over Munster. We worked hard, and God knows we played harder. He was involved in the PAV at one point. I remember chatting with him over a point about how great a place it could potentially be. Kevin was a family man, above all else, a family man. He he loved a game of golf. He loved to watch a match and drink a few pints in his favourite pub, the beer garden. He loved Ardmore, where he spent a lot of time in his mobile home. Um, I saw him in May for his Radiothon interview, and we spent some time together just telling old stories and recalling old adventures. Um, I last heard from him just before I went on holidays, Uh, We exchanged a couple of texts. He told me he was struggling a bit, but he was hanging in there. Um, He had liver cancer. Sadly, his daughter Gillian messaged me last week to tell me that my old pal had passed away peacefully, uh, surrounded by his loved ones. I went to Rochestown on Saturday to his funeral mass and to say my own farewells. And I thought a lot over the weekend about Tanette and Gillian and Graham and their partners and their families and Kevin's grandchildren who he adored. So to remember him, I'm going to play his Radiothon interview one more time. We've done this before when other people who've been on Radiothon have subsequently uh, passed away. There's always somebody who knows that they won't see another Radiothon. Kevin was one of those. And uh, to remember him, uh, to all those who knew Kevin Foley and there are quite a lot of them to all those who knew and loved Kevin Foley we play this one more time sleep well old buddy see you fireside on the 28th of March this year I was told the treatment wasn't working and we were unsure 
of what path we were going to take. Um, obviously, to be told that the treatment that you're on isn't working and that you're on option number four at this stage, you're thinking, gee, where do I go from here? Um, Dr. Power said, we come up with a plan um, and it's the not knowing and the hanging about plays with your mind and you're thinking, oh, the cancer's gone mad inside me. Or, you know, it's, it's just these kind of thoughts that go into your head. I'm generally, generally a positive person, but when you're kind of run out of options and you're told the treatment doesn't work and the cancer is is very, very aggressive, you're, you're obviously thinking the worst. And uh, what's happened now is that they might do some operation on my liver to remove some of the aggressive tumours. Hopefully, that's... I don't know. Yeah. Better days are coming If no one told you I hate to hear you crying Over the phone, dear For seven years running You've been a soldier But better days are coming Better days are coming for you We've known each other a long time And you never gave up on anything You're not giving up on this either No, I can't More for my wife, my family, my kids I can't give up. Um, I love life. I have fantastic support of my family and my friends. I have a wife who um, has been my rock throughout. I love and adore the woman in my thirty. I've got to get this right, 33, 34 years, and it's just been, she's been my rock. I have two wonderful children, Graham and Gillian. I have three grandchildren. I have Holly and Gracie and Fia. And, and a friend of mine once told me that the love you have for your children is nothing compared to your grandchildren. And I said, no, that can't be true. And it is true. Um, my grandchildren at this moment in time, my kids, my wife, um, and my life. Um, and you're kind of thinking, I know what's in front of me. It's going to, when it's going to come, I don't know. But the pain for me will be over when it does happen. The pain only starts with my family. And that's what hurts me the most. I know you've been hurt. won't come the rain it ain't permanent and soon we'll be dancing in the sun we'll be dancing in the sun I'm a singer song together are you afraid um when you're given instructions that maybe you should get your not maybe that you need to get your affairs in order when you go to the funeral home to try and organize your own funeral when you pick out songs, music has always been a love of mine. Music is an expression of love, of sadness, of laughter. It's hard, PJ. Yeah, am I afraid? Absolutely, yeah. But I, I know with the support and love of my family, um, I'll get through this. Um, and hopefully the doctors will come up with a plan. I know it can't be cured. I'm 60 years now, I still feel young. And yes, I am afraid, but let's see what happens. If people are thinking about whether they should make a donation to the Cork's 96 of M giving for living with your son. Why would you encourage them to do it? I've been going to hospital nearly every, certainly every two weeks for the last two years. And the nurses in there, the Mammy Day unit, the volunteers in the Daffodil Centre, the team in the Orchid Centre. I go for counselling in our house. I have been to the Mercy Hospital. Those people in these places are absolute angels, right? Not just doctors, nurses. I'm talking about the catering, the care assistants, the caterers, the porters, everybody inside there. I've made friends in there. Um, it's not the way you want to make friends, but if you wanted to choose friends, 
they were the people you pick because they are absolutely wonderful and they've been wonderful to me all along and I I just can't speak highly enough of them. And we'll sing your song together. And we'll sing your song together. Kevin Foley. Uh, farewell, old buddy. 275 days to the next Corks 96 FM Giving for Living radio song. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Corks 96 FM. Right, we have a friend needs your help. Joe, he's gone there, Fiona. Joe Byrne at uh, Joseph's Hair Salon. He was back on one there for you, Fee. He was gone off the line when I went to him. 0818969696. He needs a, a little bit of help. If we can sort it out, we'll certainly do that. Some of your comments on the calls in the first hour. Well done to everyone who attended the March Saturday, says Councillor McNugent. The determination and resolve, despite everything, was inspiring. It's disappointing the Taoiseach hasn't yet responded to that letter he was handed outside the City Hall. And there's a few more, and I'll get to them. But Joe, uh, how can we help you, mate? Good morning. Good morning, PJ, my friend. How are you? Good, good. What can we do for you? Do you know, PJ, I'm having my day today in the salon for the kids' um, haircuts before we go back yes. for the school. And we're having a bit of a party. Is there anybody in the, their kitchen at the moment that could make us a few cupcakes or cream cakes? I had a lady doing it and the crater ended up having a foot infection and couldn't do it. Ended up in hospital. Right. Cupcakes from peace and I wish her well. So we have all savoury stuff for the kids but we have nothing sweet. Okay. So, so I don't know, can I look for a few cream cakes? Can you say cream cakes? Is that politically correct? Or, or I, I don't know. <laughs> well, that's a, put it this way. They were always called that, cream cakes or buns in my house. Can you, say, can you say fairy cakes? But Mary O'Connell now is just after coming in with two trays. Are they cakes, Mary, no? PJ's on the phone. Oh, Viennese biscuits is just out to live in PJ. Oh, my God, for Mary O'Connell. Um, PJ, you know what I mean? Now, we have all flannels. They're wonderful. They're doing all the food. Sure. Just for the kids, if there's any, um, when they were throwing in a few cupcakes. I don't know. I don't know what we call them, PJ. It cakes, because we can't call them fairy cakes. Whatever we call them, can we get some cakes and buns over to Joseph's Hair Salon in Glasheen for their event today? You should look at these Viennese biscuits. They're gorgeous. I might have one here with a cup of coffee, Actually, oh Choose my that. God! <laughs> Would that be great, PJ? Can we organise that? Because unfortunately, uh, cupcakes by Katie. She had to go to to hospital. So, look, if if anyone can bail you out, we can bail you out. Let's see what we can do. Joe Bourne, Joseph's hair salon. He does this thing every year: free haircuts for all the kids and, and people connected to Adele House. Their their cake supplier, their bun supplier, has been taken ill. So, can we get some cakes and buns and stuff? out to Joseph's Hair Salon on Glashing Road, just opposite Flannery's, and see if we can't sort them out for the afternoon. 0818 96 96 96. Now, there is a campaign beginning called Clean Air Together. It's a scheme being launched today. It's run by the Environmental Protection Agency on Tashka, and any household can sign up and you can get some free kit which you can measure knocks outside your home during October. This is an experiment to find out just how much NOx, nitrogen, nitrous oxide, is around us in the air. And tomorrow we'll have the Environmental Protection Agency on the show. 
But John Sudeau from UCC uh, wants to specifically highlight the level of air pollution. And you've been tweeting about this over the weekend, John. Explain what NOx is and why we should be concerned about it. Good morning. Well, g- morning, PJ. G- great, great to speak to you again. Um, NOx um, is a, 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 a chemical term, and I'm, I'm going to glide over that because the, the, the clean air together um, uh, program is going to measure one specific part of NOx called nitrogen dioxide. And really, we're doing it because most of the understanding you've got about air pollution and health risks to humans and the ecosystems is only possible by measuring chemicals like, well, ozone as well as nitrogen dioxide. And over the past oh, five years, EPN done a great job uh, monitoring uh, Ireland's air quality with 100 stations over urban and rural settings. But what they do is to measure over regions. People generally want to know what pollution levels are like in their own road or street. Yeah. And for that to happen, uh, the, the call has got to be to the people themselves, which is what Clean Air to do uh, to, together is, is about. So it's citizens assemble to measure your own levels of nitrogen dioxide outside your house. Where does it come from, uh, John? What, where, how, is it cre- how is it generated? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's not just from cars, is the first thing. Um, the, the, the nitrogen oxides, uh, as say we call them, but nitrogen dioxide in particular are everywhere. And sometimes at concentrations that are, are harmful to our health. And the question is, why is it everywhere? Well, every time you burn something, start up your car engine, you make it. You produce it indoors if you've got a gas cooker and you light a hob. Lightning flashes make it. And the reason where it comes from is because those energy uh, sort of sources crack not only, say, the fuel, but also the contents of the main contents of air, which is nitrogen, nitrogen and oxygen, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they get broken down and they get together. So you get these mixed nitrogen, oxygen, NOx-type chemicals. So, it, first of all, they're everywhere. So we, 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 we have a, a responsibility, I think, to, to measure them because they have health effects. It's directly poisonous to us. Is, is nitrogen dioxide, damages cardiovascular systems, lungs, aggravates childhood asthma, mm. and it causes about 50 premature deaths in Ireland every year. The, the headline number normally is that you, you put out is, is that 1,300 deaths, uh, premature deaths, and that's to do with those awful little small particulate particles called um, PM2.5. But about 50 come from uh, nitrogen dioxide, about 50 mm-hmm. from o- uh, ozone. Yeah. Now, the, 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 uh, sort of the, the, the chemistry part is why it's so complicated, why nitrogen dioxide is so damaging, is that sunlight can break it down, and that makes other toxic chemicals like ozone. And if it comes in contact with a water droplet, it makes acid rain. So altogether... Not a great thing to have around. No. Um, any combustion process makes it. I know they've put, they've changed diesel engines on the road now. That they, you put a thing called Add Blue into the yeah. car with the diesel engine, and it is supposed to filter out the NOx and get rid of it. Is that effective? 
it, it, it reacts with it uh, all, all right. I mean, and, and as long as uh, you you keep the uh, AdBlue uh, topped up and your system is all right, but it does release ammonia to the atmosphere. So there is a swing and a roundabout here. Yeah. Um, you you convert, uh, but with the with the compound that AdBlue is uh, does uh, essentially uh, release ammonia. Uh, when, when you have it, but I mean, it does uh, reduce the NOx catalytic converters. Those those old time things, you know, invented in the 30s, uh, that have sort of uh, a, a precious metals in them, mm. cause uh, the, the the nitrogen oxides uh, to break down too. Sure. So there there are um, uh, uh, methods of um, breaking it down, but we uh, uh, throughout the world it's a problem. Nitrogen okay. dioxide worse than Shanghai. Yes. Cool. So we'll be able to get this little piece of equipment, and what do we do? Just leave it outside the house? Yes, I mean, um, the, the, what um, really the um, EPA do on the regional level is to monitor how much nitrogen dioxide or NOx or ozone is 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 around in real time. That's a bit like taking a video. Of, 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 of the the evolution of the NO2. Um, what the new project that individuals can do is is, is, is much more um, easy to do for people. It's simply putting in a, a small plastic tube that's about 5, 10 centimetres long, uh, open at the bottom end, and it allows the air to get in. And that air, if it's got nitrogen dioxide in it, um, will react with a chemical that's in the tube and it reacts Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quantitatively, that's for it's, it's absolutely precise on the amount of NO2 that you have, and then that can be analyzed in the lab. That, though, is more of a snapshot because you do it over three to four weeks right. rather than minute to minute. Okay, 
So over the next month, these little kits are going to be given out to yeah. take up a survey. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes, that's my that that yes. I I mean it's been done before in Dublin. It was done in Dublin last year, and it is a a, a citizen science thing uh, that is, that is it proves very useful because in fact it's quite an easy bit of kit to deploy. As, as you know, as I've just said, there yeah. just stick it on a pipe outside your house or no. on the wall. As I said, we'll be talking to the EPA tomorrow about this. But just how badly polluted is our air in Cork, John? Day to day. Well, uh, uh, rather than saying what the levels are, and it is not as bad as Shanghai, it's not as bad as Moscow, uh, the the fact is the World Health Organization say that any level of air pollution is is not good, is dangerous. So, for example, I mean, I'll I'll pick the main ones, which are the, the particulate matter that we get a lot of in Cork, because, uh, and uh, Cork, Cork County as well as Cork City because of burning solid fuel mainly in the winter. And cars do make a, a, a contribution uh, in the summer, uh, especially if it's sunny. I, I told you that you know nitrogen dioxide is a, a particular molecule that yeah. if it can be broken down by sunlight to make even more poisonous chemicals. Mm. So, I mean, the, the, the fact is it, it, it's not a, a great question to ask because any level there is no a lower threshold for for having air pollution that won't give cardio problems lung problems asthmatic uh problems and if diabetes and alzheimer's and miscarriage okay okay so i mean one assumes john that completely pollution free air is impossible that's that's correct I mean, to get down to what the World Health Organization would say is the absolute end game is very difficult. But what, I mean, Ireland has to do um, is to make sure it's continually improving the levels at which pollution are released. So, for example, let's pick the NOx one, the NOx one here um, in the um, in, in, in the cities and towns, this type of information that you get will say, what are the hotspots? And then where might we need uh, congestion charges or low emission zones? That, that, that's the sort of thing. That's, that helps. Okay. That will help health. And would you envisage ever, lastly, John, would you ever envisage Cork City Centre now, like they have in London, as being a place where we'd have to have a, a, an, an emissions charge to come into town? Well, uh, uh, currently, I mean, it, it has, I think, uh, what's called a clean air zone in, in uh, small, uh, in, in Cork City. It's actually a pedestrian zone. Um, a clean air zone, it normally around the, the rest of the world, is, is one where you've got um, cars that are, you know, very old diesels and things like that uh, are are not allowed around or they're charged great deals of money. Congestion charges can be related to that, but, um, uh, you know, because people don't like to be in traffic. The more electric vehicles you have, the better that that Mm. problem will be. And yes, would be, my answer to your question is, yes, I can envisage that type of thing, clean air zones, uh, being introduced into Cork, and and this this clean air together scheme may may help 
the, the council or the, the government do something about it. Okay. John, we'll come back to this tomorrow with the Environmental Protection Agency. That's John Soto, Professor of Physical Chemistry at UCC. Thank you. The, we'll find out more about those little testing kits and how you can get them or where you can get them from if you're interested in part of it. Find out more about that tomorrow. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. The bars of Clonakilty welcome back Neil Delamere with his new show Delamerium. Neil comes to the bars on April 29th with tickets on sale now from their website debarra.ie. Access all areas. Paul Howard's smash hit musical Copperface Jacks comes to Cork Opera House this month following triumphant summer runs in 2018 and 19. The show runs on August 23rd until the 28th with tickets on sale now. Access all areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play, or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events or gigs by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. With Harvey Norman and JBL, your specialists in sound this summer. On Cork's 96 FM. Just before I move on, <clears throat> something I meant to mention, talking about the uh, Michael Collins commemoration yesterday at Bellinabron, the huge turnout, and wondering who that young soldier was who collapsed and fainted, and hoping that he's all right. Haven't heard him. Did anybody hear the booing? It became very obvious at one point or another. That uh, Michal Martin and Leo Bradker were being were being booed. Now the audience that was there sort of cheered and clapped to drown out the booing, but it happened nonetheless. John was on saying uh, the, the the booing at Bailnablaw had nothing to do with the civil war and everything to do with not cherishing the children of the country and other goals of independence. And he was talking about that in in the context of the parents looking for services for their kids. But what did anyone think, or did you think, it was the right place to start booing yesterday afternoon down at Bale and Blah? Just a thought, just a thought. 0818 96 96 96. Now, when you're a new mum, or so I'm told, I've never been one, when, when you're a new mum, life is supposed to be great. You're supposed to be so happy. It's supposed to be the most wonderful time of your life. This wonderful gift has come... And your life is complete, and your, and your children are everything you ever wanted. And of course, all these things are true, but by God, it's a stressful time. It's stressful for a hundred thousand different reasons. In terms of stress, someone described it one time as death by a thousand cuts, a dozen or more little micro stresses that just break up your day that normally wouldn't bother you at all. But when you're dealing with a new baby and things that go along with that, the tiniest things can throw you right off. Um, there is a workshop, a webinar for new mothers coming up on the 4th of September. And one of those running it is self-health coach Sinead Kelly. Would I be right in that one, Sinead? It was just someone said to me before, the little things that never bother you at all in the course of an ordinary day, when you're a new mum, they can send you into overload. Good morning. Morning, PJ. Yeah, absolutely. You've had it spot on there. Um, I think that for a lot of women, it isn't one big thing. It's a lot of little stresses and that feeling of pressure that we put on ourselves um, and feeling out of balance. So it's accumulation of small things rather than one big thing. Yeah. yeah. The little things that normally wouldn't take a rap out of you, can you, it can leave you in floods of tears. 
absolutely. Because there's probably accumulation of things, small things that have happened throughout the day um, that have then accumulated all up into one thing. So it's like the, the straw that breaks the camel's back and, and, and you become very overwhelmed then at the end of the day by something uh, small that normally would not bother you at all. Yeah, the biggest trouble, I think, when you're a new mom is time to yourself. There just isn't any, really. No matter how helpful Absolutely. a partner might be, there, there's nothing, there's no time that's truly yours. Absolutely. Time is, is one of the big uh, stressors for people, um, especially for moms, you know, between working, making dinner, washing clothes, playing with the kids, driving them somewhere. There's just not enough hours in the day to get everything done that you feel like you need to or would like to do. Yeah, because even when baby is sleeping, you can't. You've got 101 other things to do. Absolutely, yeah. And so it's looking for where you can get support or where the resources are that might be around you and tapping into those. Um, You know, there was a study done there in America uh, that showed that, you know, women... And mothers tend to take on more of the workload around childcare activities compared to fathers. So it's asking the fathers as well, what, what can they help with? Is there friends and family that can help? Is there the kids themselves? You know, sometimes you rush in to help them to get dressed because we know it'll be done faster. But actually, can the kids get dressed themselves? Yeah, it's going to take twice as long. But who can you tap into that's around you? Yeah. Because it's not just being a new mammy. I mean, if you have a couple of toddlers on the go or a couple of school-going smallies on the go, it can get to you. Absolutely, yeah. There's, you know, obviously the the more kids, the more challenging it gets. However, even having one child will still bring on a lot of uh, motherhood stress for for any mother and parent. Yeah. Mm. I've, I've heard of women say that they they felt they had lost their identity. On top of that, what does that mean? I, I, I'm, they don't understand that. But they've lost their identity. Yeah. That, that's something that a lot of my mum clients would describe. It's a sense of losing themselves uh, in motherhood. So their priority becomes the kids instead of themselves. So they don't feel like themselves as much as they used to because now all they're thinking about and all their... their um, they're aiming for is to prioritize the kids and they've forgotten how to prioritize themselves as well. And to, you know, I I suppose a lot of the times mothers will say that they have to prioritize the kids, which is absolutely true, but we can also prioritize ourselves as mothers as well. It isn't an either or, it just looks different to how we were before we had kids. Yeah. Is it that sometimes there's a risk that motherhood and all that goes with it can define the person rather than just being part of what they do and who they are. Yeah, so you can imagine if if you're very busy being a mother that you may forget about the things that you actually have a passionate for that are outside of the kids or hobbies or even socialising, you know, with your friends. So we might leave those things go because where we feel we don't have enough time for them and really do we actually have 10 minutes to make a phone call with a friend and feel a bit more like ourselves again where we're not having um, conversations just with the kids or about the kids where we can uh, have an adult to adult conversation so it's finding those ways of of finding ourselves again Also there are things 
if you want. You have surrounded, you have, from the beginning to the end of the day, there are things that have to be done and that you feel have to be done. And then halfway through the day, you realise, I'm not going to get any of this done. And you stress yourself. Do women, mothers, do they beat themselves up unnecessarily? I, I think so, yes. I think we have very high expectations um, around what we should be doing during the day, what a perfect mum looks like. Um, and so sometimes looking at our expectations about what we can actually fit in during the day and not even in terms of just time, but in terms of our energy. Sometimes we're focusing on time, but actually it's our energy that we don't have enough of. So how can we top up our energy so we can do a little bit more? So, of course, things will happen that are going to throw our plans out of the window, um, you know, whether it's a, a kid is after getting sick or whatever, and now we can't do all the things that we were planning to do on that day. Does it matter if for one day, you know, they've had too much screen time or not enough tummy time or didn't get to sleep at the right time? Are they, um, we have to keep the big picture, I suppose, in perspective as well. There's a thing called being a good enough parent, being a good enough mammy. That's a new concept. You're good enough. You don't have to be perfect. You're good enough. If you're doing what you're doing and the child is okay and fed and clean and sleeping and healthy, you're doing fine. Yeah, I think it's the the pressure that we put on ourselves to to be perfect. That can be really unhelpful because it's not human. We all make mistakes. And so a good enough parent, um, you can realize that it's okay to make mistakes and I can learn from those mistakes and I can't do it all. So it's being being more realistic with our expectations of what we can do in the day. Yeah. Do we understand where this pressure comes from that that women put on themselves? Yeah, so there's messages that we've been receiving even since we were kids ourselves, you know, whether that's from society, social media, from friends and family. And it tells us what a good mother should look like and how we should behave. Uh, And I think that then we can internalise those messages and act on those even if we don't fully believe them to be true for ourselves. So we can put a lot of pressure on ourselves that has come from society. And I think, for example, social media, it can be helpful, Mm. but it can also be an unhelpful in terms of the expectations of what motherhood should look like. And I think, yeah. I I was thinking about that social media and and Instagram and sort of Instagram mammyfluencers, if you want. Sure, nobody really lives like that. Yeah, so it's it's looking at those moms that that you're following online. You know, are they being really honest about the experience of motherhood? Are they showing the ups and the downs? Because as you said at the start, motherhood is both amazing and challenging, and sometimes it's at the exact same time. And so, considering the people that you follow online, do they make you feel accepted? Do you feel like they're a relatable role model, or? After scrolling through their content, are you feeling inadequate? Do you feel, are you blaming yourself for not being a good enough mum? And so if you're taking in that content, how is that helping you, I suppose, to to feel like a good enough mother? Yeah, yeah. And they find it hard to talk about it as well. I mean, if you're you're getting a bit overwhelmed, you don't have the time to meet your best friend for a coffee to, to, to offload. So you bottle it up inside and it all becomes 
it get it gets worse. So what do you do then? Yeah, so I do think it's about finding the small moments that you can, whether that's 10 minutes. It doesn't need to be a big gesture where you have to go meet your friend who lives half an hour away, stay with them for two hours. You know, it doesn't need to be a whole big thing. Is it a 10 minute conversation uh, that you phone your friend and and you tell them how you're feeling and just sharing that um, that stress with them so that somebody else has has um is sharing that with you and that you're able to um offload some of that mm. how you're feeling and maybe it'll be relatable maybe they have the exact same experience as well so mm. connecting with somebody and and talking about it can make you just feel better in the act of just talking through it and give you some perspective yeah. um on the situation yeah now, now the kids are going back to school over the next week and a half two weeks that brings its own stresses as well with parents of trying course, to juggle yeah various elements to the day that can make it even that can be more stressful again absolutely and again it's it's looking for these little periods of time you know where maybe you're doing some deep breathing to try and relax yourself maybe it's in the car while you're you know you're driving them to a camp or something like that and you're just stay in the car for 10 minutes after you've dropped them off just to do a bit of deep breathing so it's trying to find those little moments where you can fit in something that's going to make you feel good and give you a bit of energy mm. to cope with what what else is going to happen in, in, next in the day yeah yeah it's it, sometimes people struggle i think anyway Sinead, with the concept that you are allowed to do this to to to, to sit back breathe that's allowed Absolutely. Yeah. And where we might spend 10 minutes scrolling on social media, can we take that 10 minutes instead to do something that's really going to benefit us Yeah. instead of maybe uh, doing something that might be maybe a bit unhealthier, um, you know, whether that's on social media or something else. Um, can we take these little moments that are actually going to benefit us and that, as you say, give yourself permission and allow yourself to to feel better. Yeah. yeah. Now, tell me about the event that's coming up. It's it's on the web. It's uh, Sunday week, September 4th. Absolutely, yeah. So it's for all mums who are feeling a lack of energy or overwhelmed with all the things that they need to do and they feel like they don't have enough time to look after themselves. And it's best suited for mums of kids aged up to 12, whether they're a two or a one parent family, whether they have one kid or 10. And we'll be exploring a lot of different aspects around stress. The main thing is that we're going to be looking at how to prevent stress in a long term preventative way by working on your resilience and your self-care. And the second would be looking at in the moment, stress in the moment, what to do when you feel really uh, like you're about to lose it, mm. what to do in those moments as well. Yeah, I've been talking, Sinead, on the programme this morning in the first hour to three different mums who, who have an addi- additional stress in their life where their child has additional needs. And that's even tougher. Absolutely. that It makes it a whole lot tougher, of course. Absolutely. So for them, again, it's looking at where you can fit in something small it doesn't need to be a big gesture we sometimes think okay well exercise is going to help my stress uh you know where am i going to fit in an hour 
today to do exercise. It doesn't need to be an hour. So what is it that you can fit in these little small moments of time where you can fit it in maybe after the kids go to bed? Is it after you drop them off at school? Is it on your lunch break? Where is it that you can fit in things that are going to nourish you? Yeah. There will be a moment, um, I'm told, as I said, I've never been in that position, but there will be a moment every so often where you're just... I think I'm going to lose it. I'm going to let my head is going to explode. Is there a little exercise you can do at that moment? Yeah, there is. Yeah. So in in that moment, and I suppose when I came across this first a number of years ago, I couldn't get my head around it because if I was triggered by something, so let's say your kid throws a toy at you and, and hits you on the head, um, you know, you're instant reaction might be to lose it and so there is actually a space between the thing that happens so like you being hit on the head let's say by the toy and the the response of what you are actually going to do so taking that space to pause take a breath and just question what what kind of thinking might be happening for you and asking yourself is this a fact or an opinion so you might say they tried to hit me on purpose and hurt me, but that may not be actually the fact. That could be just your opinion. Um, what's a more reasonable explanation for it? And then again, how important is it? You know, I haven't really hurt myself. You know, it's it's not that bad. And this feeling will pass. And then looking at, well, what's the best thing I can do right now for for the situation? So if everybody's safe, can I go into a different room and just, you know, calm down on my own, away from everybody else. Um, And, uh, you know, if I have lost it and I've said something that I regret, that I go back and I apologise, especially to children, that you apologise for maybe saying something that you didn't mean or, you know, and um, allowing, allowing yourself to have made a mistake because this is all learning as well. You're not going to get it right the first time you do it. Okay. Now, eventbrite.com is where people can find out more details and uh, buy tickets. Exactly. It's called Tackling Motherhood Stress. Okay. Eventbrite.com. Tickets, the early board tickets are, are, are €25 Euro and it's on Sunday, September 4th at 7 o'clock. Thanks ever so much to you, Sinead Kelly, who is a self-health coach. To, to any new mums or mums up to 10 or 12, you have always had my sympathies. Without the new mums and the young mums of this country, the whole bloody place would, would fall apart. I'm absolutely convinced of it. I have I've said this before and I've said it many, many times and I'm going to say it one more time. If men had had the first child, they would never have been a second. That is just a simple and plain truth. 0818 96 96 96. We were talking a while ago about Kevin Foley, um, who was with us on Radiothon and sadly passed away last week. Just a reminder as well, I'm listening here. Uh, my daughter, Quiva, <clears throat> was on with you in May uh, doing a fundraiser for her dad, Peter, to get his home ready. I remember that. Sadly, Peter passed away on the 3rd of July and it's his birthday today. He would have been 43. That's too young. That's way too young. We think of that family. And thank you for that message. 0818 96 96 96. On Bail and Blah and the people who were booing. Hi, PJ. Those people that booed at Bail and Blah were a disgrace. There's a time and a place for everything. Yesterday was not one of them, says uh, Ian. 
uh, some announcements over the weekend and over the last couple of weeks of places closing in town. The latest one I see this morning, place I have to say, I have to say, I have uh, I have partaken of their fine fare on more than one occasion. Shack, the donut shop, is closing. Um, just heard that on social media at the weekend. Bresnan's Butchers in the English market is closing. That's sad. They're there a long, long, long time. And the the fish hatch or the fishwife on McCourton Street, the fish and chip shop on McCourton Street, again, I think were they there 10 years. And at one point there was a little genius work when, do you remember we could only have outdoor drinking? Do you remember that time? And they did a little deal with the Shelburne across the road that you could bring your, your fish and chips across. Do you remember that? The, the fishwife uh, prefers a very, very fine fish and chips. They've closed their doors as well. And unfortunately, a lot of small business businesses really struggling at the moment. Sad to see. On the other hand, to see um, Benny McCabe expanding his pub empire even further uh, by buying Canties. There's a place. There's a great spot. I love Canties. A uh, lovely place for a quiet point. Sometimes a bit of music on. The great Joe Mack uh, was playing in there up to a wee while ago. Not too sure if he still does. But uh, Canties now has been bought by Benny, who of course owns Arthur Mains and the whole complex next door. So as one man develops his empire, sadly other businesses are closing around town. And some of that is just the circle of life. But it's all, it's all sad when something closes. It's always sad. Question 10. What word T is a drum spun in a raffle? Tumbler. There are two possible answers. You said tumbler. One of the answers is tombola. The other one, unfortunately, for the accounts department is tumbler. You just want to do Brian, I'm delighted for you. You got two grand. Well done, fella. Perfect. Well Thank done. you guys. Stacking up the cash. Yes. Cash. The two grand minute. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day. On Casey and Ross in the morning. Corks 96FM. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 9696 9696. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96fm. Yeah, Tony. So he got onto us this morning. He was very annoyed. There is a cruise liner in Cove today. That's a cruise liner, cruise liner in Cove every few days now and great to see them back um, they bring huge business into the town but the Carnival Pride is today's visitor in Cove and Tony was not impressed at all he said to us and this is how he seems to have interpreted one of the crew of the ship got off dressed as a leprechaun this morning and a lot of people who were there and watching were saying it was inappropriate. Made a mockery of Ireland. Tony, thanks for the report. Uh, if, if that's what you saw, that's what you saw. Sounds a bit strange, but if anybody else saw it, then let us know. 0818 
Who's your Who's your hero? Who's your boxing hero? Uh, probably Kate Taylor. Kelly, Kelly Harrington. Kelly Harrington. Yeah, could you see yourself now? I mean, you've got a European silver medal at 13. Do you think that you, you, you're you going to keep this going? Do you want to go further with this? Oh, definitely. Yeah. No argument yeah. at all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what's, what's great about boxing? Everything. People, everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a very special sport. I, I, I'm looking at a picture of you here. With, with your silver medal. I think you'll be making space for a lot more trophies at home. Definitely, 100%. Good for you, good for you. You'd like to keep it going. Put that on to me there. Back, back on to me there for a second. Yeah. Thanks. Hi, uh, Hi, PJ. She said you got her into it. Tell me about that. Yeah, well, I boxed myself for years um, with the South Parish Boxing Club. Okay. Um, with, uh, the, uh, with with uh, John O'Neill, which was a great trainer with, uh, in Cork. You know, he's, um, he's, he's held a high regard in cock. Sure, sure. Um, um, Lauren then, we, look, we started off in the boxing club there. I just said I'd bring her along to introduce her to, to have a look around. And, you know, she, we tried her in a couple of sports. We tried her in, in dancing and stuff like that. And, you know, um, I suppose dancing is kind of the start of uh, boxing, how, how people get into boxing. Like, yeah. It's part of the sport. Yeah. Our, uh, our young Irish girls, they, they love boxing and they're blasted good at it. Yeah, um, girls seem to be a bit more adaptive. You know, they're, they're easier to kind of um, teach. You know, they, they seem to take an awful lot on board as well. Yeah. Um, we need to. Yeah. We look yeah, at encouraging more, to, encouraging more to get into. Although, do you know, being a, being a boxer yourself, and I'm sure you probably refed and scored as well in your in your time. Like, what's it like watching her there? Uh, exciting, nerves. There's nerves. There's excitement, and there's great, great, great privilege. And 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 you know you'll be highly, highly proud of what what she's doing as well. You know, even though she's your daughter and she's taking punches and giving punches. Yeah, you'll be proud of what she does. Would you, you'd you'd feel. Would you feel every one that lands was you for her? Sorry. You'd feel every punch that lands for her, would you? Yeah, no, she don't get caught much, no, to be fair. To she's very good. Te- she's technically gifted, no, to be honest. Good for her. Good for, good yeah. for her. Um, but she, when she can brawl, she can brawl. And when she can box, she can box. Good for her. And so at what? And at, yeah? At 13, um, what I saw you know, over these championships, she was a very, very good crowd ahead of her. Fantastic. What's the next step? I mean, I'm home tonight in the big celebration now. What's happening tonight? Um, she have a bit of a homecoming down tonight. Uh, be honest, the local support she got is absolutely phenomenal. Right. I just want to say thank you to everybody that supported Lauren, especially up in the north side. We have so much friends and family and people from clubs and Facebook was up in the air and, and our phones were up in the air. They've been very, very supportive for the world Lauren and that won't go on, on, on notice. Like, Fantastic. You know, be, I just want to give a big shout to everybody that supported us, uh, Lauren out there and what she's doing. But she look, she's going to be doing more, so They'll, they'll see more allowed in the what's, future what's the next step rest 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 she's getting a bit of rest now and um, she just wants a bit of Irish food <laughs> <laughs> well you go and I, <laughs> and I do myself no to be honest I, I, I miss the old Irish breakfast <laughs> <laughs> alright well listen safe home to you and to her and congratulations a European silver medalist at 13 a Cork boxer
Lauren Crinion and we will see a lot more of her in the years to come. Could we be looking at the next Katie Taylor, the next Kelly Harrington? Who knows? She's the first Lauren Crinion. 13 years of age, European silver medalist. Massive Massive potential there. 0818 96 96 96. The two grand minute. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day. Answer 10 questions to claim all that cash. Stacking up the cash. Yes! Cash! The two grand minute. On Casey and Ross in the morning. Courts 96 FM. There was an interesting piece in the paper recently. Uh, Stephanie Preisner was writing about making friends. And earlier on there, before 11, talking about new moms and the stress of being a new mom and maybe how difficult it can be when you're a new mom to stay connected with your friends or even to particularly to make friends. We were chatting about this in the office this morning, about making friends as adults. If you move to somewhere new... Um, or you start a new job, or anything really. Like, when was the last, I think thinking this morning, when was the, who was the last person who came into your life who actually became a friend, a staunch, lifelong friend? Is it harder to make friends as adults? Like, definitely was wondering, how do you do it? Do you meet them in the clothes shop? Or... Do you meet them in the comments pages of Instagram or in the queue for the clinic or something? How do you make new friends? And if you arrived in a new place and you knew nobody, how do you get started? Would you end up feeling very isolated? It's funny, you know, because we made friends as children so easy. You had a new best friend every week as you were as, as a child. Oh, my best friend. And then next week, you barely talked to them and there was a new best friend. And we all made friends when we were kids. And that's exactly what Stephanie is saying in her article. We all made friends as kids. We all developed this ability to go out, to go to school, go play, go fool around in the road. And we made friends because our heads weren't full of all this nonsense that they are as adults. So when was the last time you made a really good friend? Um, your oldest friends, are they there since childhood? Um, my, old, my, my oldest friend, my two oldest friends, we were working it out recently, actually. Um, I have one friend that I knew since I was a boy. I haven't seen him in a very, very long time. But my two closest friends, I both know them. God. One of them, I'd be afraid to tell you how long we know each other. But could you find someone in, in, in your adult years, in your adult years, making friends? Is it, why is it so difficult for us? Why is it so hard for us to make friends as adults when it was so easy when we were kids? It's, 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 it's just, a, if you have any thoughts on it, we'd welcome them at 0818 96 96 96. Um, relapse to Festival. Punk rock. I remember the early days of punk rock, and and tur- my, my father, God bless him, spare him, God bless me. My father would come in and 
she, he wanted to be turning down top of the pops because there'd be punk rockers on it. <laughs> it was seen as kind of, oh God, you can't have that stuff in the house. Punk rock is alive and well. And there's about to be a festival of it in Cork. Kira Hayes from Relapse Promotions. Hi, Kira. Hi. Punk is alive and well and living in Cork. Tell me more. Seemingly so. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, I was talking to you back in, I think it was February, about the first festival we were yeah. putting on and it just took off so much better than any of us expected to. And now the second one is taking place on September 24th in the Kino. Um, which is amazing and uh, we even have a headliner coming over from England for it which is a first for us Uh, and loads of Cork bands loads of other bands from around the country some Um, of the names are great Glitchers (laughs) yeah they're the the UK band the UK band Uh, Stanton's Grave that's a Cork band Uh, Vacuity Acuity are from Limerick. They're actually only young lads, yeah, um, yeah. but we've worked with them a lot this year, and they're 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 going places like they're absolutely brilliant. The dirty casuals. I loved I loved the names, but I punk was a kind of an eighties craze, and then I thought it it died off, but but it didn't really. It seems to be coming back. Like the Irish scene seems to have grown exponentially since the pandemic. Um, the amount of new people at gigs is absolutely insane. Yeah. Um, we were only talking to the Echo about it during the week, but um, absolutely exponentially grown altogether. Mm. What's the attraction of it? I think... Sorry, you're actually kind of putting me on the spot. Um, <laughs> I think there's just this why desire you, for creativity like... since the pandemic yeah. and um, like punk and other alternative forms of music, they really give an outlet for that just creativity and that drive to spread a message I suppose yeah yeah. I remember back in the the, the punks the tradition going back to them, Johnny Rotten and, and the Sex Pistols they were all very angry and very noisy but when you'd actually meet them they were just ordinary people like you and me absolutely yeah <laughs> you know you, you'd be half afraid to meet them I remember meeting, meeting a, punk, a punk band introducing a punk band at a gig I got a few years ago now and been half afraid of them because there was spiky hair and Zips and actually the nicest people you could meet. That's, like. the, point. That's the point. That's the point. There's a big tradition of, of just kicking out at society and then going off for a quiet pint together afterwards. It was. It's kind of, you know, it 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 it, it, it just it's a, it's a whole. Do, you, do they still do the clothes and the safety pins and the hair and all this kind of thing? Absolutely. Um, I would say because alternative fashion has kind of simulated into the mainstream more throughout kind of the 2010s, like um, it it sort of would be not as shocking as it would have been in the 80s, I suppose. Yeah. Um, because like I, I've noticed in Cork, especially since moving down here, like there's almost as many like alternative young people as there are, say, non-alternative young people, like people's sense of style down here is very different. Yeah, they still spike up the hair down here, so they do. Yes. <laughs> you'd see them going. You'd see them going around. Yeah. So, so what else? When is this on? Where is it on? What are the details? Where can people get tickets? So it's on in the Kino on September twenty fourth, and as well as the, I think there's thirteen bands on the lineup. But there's also going to be art stalls, and there's going to be a poetry reading at it. And uh, I think we're trying to do a swap shop as well because she was meant to be at the last one, but she unfortunately got COVID. Um, tickets can be found on Eventbrite they will be on the door as well provided there are any left um, 
And that's it, really. We, we're also doing a smaller gig in St. Peter's Church on North Main Street this Saturday okay. for anyone who's interested in that. Um, because we've been doing smaller gigs since the success of the last festival as well. So it's all very exciting and we're looking forward to seeing where we go next year as well. Yeah, yeah, because it's, it's, it's a great resurgence. I was only talking to someone earlier this year, uh, I should tell you who it was, it was Mick, Mick Barry, the TD, um, and he revealed to me his own punk rock background. And he had, oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> he had the spiky hair and, and the pink jeans. He had it all. Yeah. Oh, that's bad. You never know. He, he might stick his head around the door of the Kino. Hopefully. <laughs> all right, Kira. good luck with it when it comes around on uh, the 24th. T- tickets available and online and on the, at the night as well. It's the Relapse 2.0. Uh, 0818969696. What's that? I ah, will just stop it. I'm not reading that out. <laughs> I remember being half afraid of punks when they came out first. I was very much, I would have been very mainstream. I was very mainstream. I make no bones about it. I was very mainstream. And we used to call punks and, and, and goths and, and all the we called pookies. But you discover they're actually really nice people. They just express themselves differently. It's mad. Really is mad. This TikTok stuff full of, TikTok videos is full of punky and. Ah. Great to see you back. 0818 96 96 96. And the guy that came off of the the um, boat, the cruise liner in um, Cove and really bothered Tony. Hi PJ, I haven't seen him myself, but I don't think it's a mockery of Ireland to dress as a leprechaun. To be honest, we sent that stuff out to other places that we have leprechauns and other things. But when people do what the guy saw, the crew member dressed up as one, we think it's mocking us. Just take it as a gentle giggle and go on about your day. Do you know what? There's a lot of sense in that. Yeah, Tony was bothered by seeing someone dressed up as a leprechaun. But sure, we created that. We sent that out around the world. Now, the Americans took it and ran with it like nobody's business. But that's, that's our creation. We invented that. We invented Darby O'Gill and the little people and Shireli's and green top hats and all that. That's, we invented that. So when someone arrives on our shores done up, dressed up a bit like that, we shouldn't really be getting too head about it, should we? That was our own creation. Thanks for that. On Friends, I met some of my very good friends in the creche where our kids were. Yeah. Uh, my old man is dead now, but he always said to me, Danny, if you live to be 100 and have one good friend in all that time, you'd have had enough of them. That's There's a lot to be said for that. And Kevin, on uh, Lauren's success, uh, he says that you just hope that this, this success will be rewarded with funding going forward because it can't be cheap going to these events. So let me read this one out um, about footpaths and cycle lanes and all of this because I think it's something that could develop and if we don't get to develop it further today we'll come back to it but this came in uh, last week Hi PJ, I'm disappointed that the council and the government are pushing the construction of cycle lanes instead of supporting the most environmentally friendly transport option of all, walking our footpaths are in a shocking state particularly if you've limited vision, as I had recently following laser surgery. The amount of footpath selections that are literally rubble is something you'd only notice when you find them hard to use. 
On top of that, I pity anyone who has to use a walking aid because I've come to notice that people need a pretty level surface for these things or they turn a walking aid into a danger. Footpaths are cheap to fix. Why is all this money being spent on cycle lanes and bus lanes but nobody cares about pedestrians? And don't even get me started on Patrick Street. It's filthy and slippery in the rain, even at the best of times, for everybody. Yeah, I remember that one morning, someone rang in here, gave an outstink because they had fallen uh, walking up Patrick Street on a damp morning. They'd fallen on the pavement. And they said it wasn't the first time they'd slipped and fallen on the pavement because particularly at this end of Patrick Street, if you like, at the top end of Patrick Street, near the bridge, the pavements there turn like, they're like glass when it rains. But there's a good point that Connor makes, or made. Like the, the, the footpaths are in a cruel state around the place. And they're spending all this money on cycle lanes and all this money on, on bus lanes and all of that. And they're all welcome, I guess. But the footpaths are a mess. And maybe they should spend some money on doing up the footpaths because, as our Correspondent says, the most environmentally friendly form of transport is to walk. Thank you, 0818 96 96 96. Now, there are some fabulous photographs of Cork, and they'll be turning up in neighbourhoods around the place. And the best, I, I can't quite describe what they, what they look at. They're, they're a part of a, an exhibition called Looking Glass. They're infrared photos of Cork. I think that's the best way to to describe them. Roar, good morning to you. Hey, how you doing, PJ? Oh, yeah. Tell me about these photographs, because they're, they're going to really stand out where you put them. Um, so, they're infrared photographs that show you the location that you are currently in through infrared, so you can compare what you see through your eyes what, with what's just outside of your visual spectrum. Okay. So... Yeah, and they're dotted all around Cork City. There's 30, 30 odd photos, just more than 30, across roughly kind of 16 locations. And um, it's hosted, uh, curated by Notes to Cork. What kind oh. of things would we not see? Like, look well, out the, the window, see the city. But I can't see infrared light, obviously. So, what would it yeah, show me? So, well, it, it actually, it shows you the light that's rejected by a plant. So uh, plants are green um, to hone the actual frequency of light that they uh, consume for photosynthesis and everything else they reject. Um, and so with an infrared camera, it turns all that to red to show the light that's reflected by the plant. And it just sh- shows how nature is thriving all around us and how we kind of normally tune this out because we're just so accustomed to seeing the weeds and the little things that we walk past but nature is actually fertile and all around us underneath the the footpaths that we we walk on that need some work (laughs) and uh yeah and is it that we are we not do can we not see infrared or or does our our visual system filter it out no we can't actually see it so it's like um it's like dogs can hear outside of our audio uh, audio spectrum so uh you know birds would see an infrared uh some insects see an infrared actually i don't think birds see an infrared but um 
Yeah, so uh, we can't actually see this light. Um, and the camera, all cameras actually should be able to see it, but we put a filter over the camera to reduce it down to the visible light that we can see. I see. I see. So the, the the billboard that you take, so what are you, you look into a park or in or just down a street, and you take a photograph and then you print it in your lab and it becomes a billboard and what we see on it is that which is filtered out for us or that which we can't normally see. Exactly, yeah. So like there's there's one um down into the Tivoli area, it's like a large twelve sheet and it shows across the water from the train tracks. Uh, is it is it an old Odlum building or something there? It's this amazing yes. yeah, yeah. kind of brutalist building. Um, and it shows across the water there and uh, you can you can see very clearly um, how some areas are are brighter in the infrared because they're there's there's more light bouncing off them and you you get these different tones. Yeah. Does um, infrared pick up on on different textures of, of, of light are different or does it pick up on living things different to inanimate objects um, it's it's specifically used for vegetation um, so like it, like if you had a, a green wall let's say and you took a photograph of it it would still stay green but the, the vegetation around it would turn red um, yeah. and it's it's used uh, it's used quite extensively for showing how fertile land is and if there's any problems with crops farmers use it they get like infrared photographers in to take photos of their land and you can see if there's maybe potential diseases coming up in the crops and I see. I see. things like that yeah so, so where about yeah, are there's i think is it 16 of them uh yeah well there's there's 30 photos there's um all along the tivoli area as you're driving into the city um, onto Lower Glanmire, there is uh, some dotted around the around the city, Corn Market uh, Street, Mailer Street, um, North Monastery. They're out near College Road and uh, Glash Glashine. Uh, there's one on the side of the Wilton Barber there, or Wilson Barber is it? Uh, yeah, so they they are spread out, you know really across the city some central some in the suburbs but like the uh the initial concept was that it would just be you know one that it could be a walking tour for people to just kind of get out and you know walk around engage with their area and secondly just for people popping down the shops and just seeing this interesting thing and seeing like what they normally see in a more fantastical light yeah, and then hopefully, as they're walking to the shops in the future, they'll remember that site that they've seen, and it's to draw people like into their environments, draw yeah. people into the moment. So this is a pic- these, these, are, these are pictures, Rory. These are pictures of of something that you otherwise would never see. Yeah, yeah, like it, it, it is, it is, you know, the structure that you would normally see, but it's like it's in, it's incredibly vivid. And um, you can really sense how alive nature is um, when you see it through infrared.
Excellent. I've seen some of the, there's some prints of them actually on, on Yay Cork, that website, and, and they look fabulous. Oh, yeah. so I must take a drive around and see see them for myself and probably sit there gazing at them because they look fabulous. Uh, good luck with it. It runs until September 3rd, this exhibition in a number of locations around the city. It's called Looking Glass by Roar Connetty. Thanks, Roar. 0818 96 96 96. So, and, and for goodness sake, I don't need to, don't be rubbernecking these things when you're driving because you'll end up in trouble. Stop, pull up the car, park it safely and go and have a look. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Quartz 96 FM. Now, Dose, I think, is a fabulous name for... Uh, is it a venue or a concept or a space, Nevin O'Keefe? Good morning. Hi, PJ. Good morning. Um, so Dose is, I suppose, an events collective would probably be the best way to put it right now. Um, probably still working on the best way to define that. But we're, I suppose, like a small group of uh, friends from Cork that uh, basically came together to, I suppose, put on events around the city, showcase like alternative art and music. Um, and yeah, basically try to do a bit to improve the, the number of options and variety in, in Cork nightlife and culture, I guess. And you make the point we've lost a lot of our venues, Sir Henry's of pious glorious immortal memory. The Pav is gone now, the the Camden Palace is gone, the Savoy, Reds, Hanover, they're all gone. Cubans is gone, all those yeah. we don't have a whole pile to do now. No, and add, to add to that, like Nancy Spain's, the Sextant, the print shop was a, a brief but lovely venue as well. So yeah, there are a lot of kind of venues that have disappeared over the last, you know, couple of years, but even beyond that, five or ten. And yeah. just to even like, you know, quote some research from Give Us the Night, who do a lot of great work for nightlife in Ireland broadly. But I think it was the last statistic I saw was 84% of nightclubs. Yes, right. Um, have closed since the year 2000 so yeah there are a lot of um a lot of places closing for a variety of reasons as well and a lot of them are you know very hard to solve for but uh yeah there's there's far less less options than there used to be i can remember when even 10 years ago you know you'd be out for the the few scoops on a saturday night and you think right are we going on somewhere and we had a choice now you kind of don't yep. yeah 100 percent and like i've been saying that a lot so you know, back in the day, you, there used to always be something on in the pav when I was growing up. Like I, I kind of missed the Sir Henry, her, Sir Henry's days. But um, yeah, like we always had like the pav. Fish go deep used to play like almost every weekend, and right. it was brilliant just to have that like that kind of option. Um, but yeah, like there's there's only a couple of options now. I think I'd say there's what like two, three, four late bars in Cork, and they all kind of appeal to you know certain. Like music taste in certain um, crowds, and that's that's fine. But uh, there are mainstream, very mainstream. There's there's little for you now if you're not if you're not mainstream. I remember you're probably not old enough to remember Zoe's, for example. You know, Zoe's was a great nightclub. It was it was a nightclub, but it was a nightclub played sort of different tunes. Yeah, you know, I had, there was a harder edge to it. I, I played Zoe's myself for a few years. There was a, it was a kind of a harder edge to it, and and it was a great club, a fabulous club. So so what's Dose doing? Are you are you trying to find a space? Do you have a space? So we don't have a space exactly. We're working with a kind of rotation of spaces right now. Um, so like to kind of frame, I suppose, the issues we're, we're looking towards first, maybe like, you know, there are, as you said, there are very few sp- spaces for, for a variety of reasons. Like, you know, rents are really high. Pubs and venues are struggling, yeah. especially after COVID. Yeah. And licensing laws are an issue. So like the late license fee is a big issue. It's a big expense for a lot of smaller venues. 
um, things closing at half 12 or 2 a.m. are issues. And then, like, you have the dance all act and uh, pub licensing, which are all difficult to deal with. And that's leading to, like, you know, a lack of opportunities, I suppose, for both going out and playing out as an artist or as a creative, mm-hmm. um, which leads to, you know, a lot of people leaving. So, like, I suppose what we're trying to do is a response to those issues. Um, and in terms of, like, you know, what, what are we actually doing? So, like, as I said, we're, you know, there's five of us in the group. We're all from Cork. We're based in uh, Cork, Lisbon and Glasgow. So, as I said, a lot of people have left and ourselves, some of ourselves included. And we have a variety of backgrounds, you know, working through, I suppose, architecture, software, music, uh, running events, that kind of thing. Mm. And what we have done so far, so we've only really kicked off recently. Um, we have run a single event so far just in upstairs in the Spalpine Faunach, which mm. is, you know, a, a place that's, you know, doing fairly... It's it's very like handy to have a space like that that you can put on events in, um, and you know we're really appreciative that they that gives the opportunity there. So we did a kind of club night there um, on the 29th of July, I think it was. Mm. Uh, went really well. Had a great response to that. It was really busy. Uh, the three performers or artists, uh, Doubt, Rob Rua and Jonesy, were, were brilliant, and we had a, a great night there. And as I said, the okay. response was really good. Sure, sure. So you got you got an event coming up now on the twenty seventh, which is uh, this weekend coming. Tell me about that. Yeah, exactly. So that's um, a, I suppose something along the lines of a kind of ambient or experimental electronic music. I'd kind of describe it as a high level, and I suppose you'd, like music that you'd kind of relax to, bam out to, meditate to, whatever way you want to put it. Um, so it should be like really chill, really relaxed. It will be on in the test site on Car- Carol's Key. Um, so that's a all-ages alcohol-free venue, which is kind of a nice, I suppose, departure from what we did previously, which was very, you know, focused around late night kind of club scene. But this is a big departure from that um, because, you know, we all have very different uh, interests in music within the group and we want that to be kind of reflected in the events we're doing so yeah, yeah all ages alcohol free events uh, starting at 6 p.m on 27th of august in the test site on carl's key uh, we're selling tickets via the plugged website um so p-l-u-g-d and um, it's a record store there on uh, the coal care car yes. market street yeah yeah and uh, yeah, we're selling those for, for 20, 20 euro at the moment. But uh, I would say that if anyone uh, can't afford that, we're big on, you know, inclusivity and affordability. So if somebody can't afford that ticket price, then definitely get in contact with us on Instagram and we can sort something out there as well. Yeah. The fact that it's uh, an alcohol-free venue, is, is that a road you want to go down or looking at going down, Nevin, in that, you know, the, we were into, I was only talking at home over the weekend how, how you know, pretty much every Irish social occasion drink is involved but yeah. it's, it's not going oh. to be involved at some of your events what what is there a reason for that or is it just so yeah there are like definitely there's a reason for that in terms of like something we want to do going forward i don't think you know all of our events will be alcohol free by any means um i think for this event it suits it quite well like the test site um, i'm not sure if you you've been there before pj but i'm, not aware, uh, I'm not aware of where it is actually yeah, so it's up um, at the top of the coal care, top of Carmarcus Street there, sure. um, beside the Bridewell. Basically, it's kind of this uh, hoarded off area that looks oh, a bit like a building yeah, space. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Oh, is that, a, is, is yeah. that a venue space? It is? Yeah, so they do kind of workshops, community events. I think Stevie G has done a few bits and pieces with his like, uh, kind of DJ school, for lack sure, of a better sure. label for it. Um, so they're very focused on like community and inclusivity and everyone feeling like safe and respected, no matter you know like what age you are or like you know, where you're coming from in, in terms of like your relationship with drinking. I drive, past, I drive past that every morning and I often wonder what are they building in there? 
yeah, I was the same myself until very recently when I learned about what, what they actually run there. Right. Their website is well worth a look. They've got loads of really interesting events. And um, so what I would say just on the alcohol thing is like, you know, we, we definitely think it's a worthwhile uh, type of event to explore. Like, you know, how I think, as you said, like we all have a very uh, close relationship with alcohol in Ireland. And it's interesting to, I suppose, experiment with that and do an event where, you know, there isn't any alcohol. And I think it will suit the music as well. Okay. So where can people book tickets for this? Um, so you plug can rec- find them on... Get them in Plug Records plug- on the Plug website. Yeah, exactly. So if you Google uh, Plugged Cork, then okay. you should It'll find it. There. And you can find us on Instagram as well, and there'll be links out from our Instagram. All right. Well, good luck with it. Uh, it's good, good to see venue, new venues coming back, because, Nevin, thank you. Uh, there's a whole discussion in that for some morning. I can remember, and you see, only 10 years ago, you'd you'd have the few points and you'd have the bit of grub, and you'd be sitting there in town at half 11, quarter to 12, and you'd be going, right, where are we going to go now, lads? And you'd have a choice. You might have a band on somewhere or you might have a gig or whatever. But now there's very few places to go. There are very few places to go on late at night that are just a club. Very few places. So it was nice to see some new stuff coming. Thanks, Nevin. Spotted this one over the weekend and was very impressed to see it. There's a thing called the Condé Nast Traveller List. The what, PJ? Condé Nast Traveller List. It's a very prestigious uh, travel magazine and website. One of the most prestigious in the world. Millions of followers. A lot of them on, on social. And they brought out a list of the 22 most underrated destination cities in Europe. And among them was Gdansk in Poland and Zamora in Spain. And a place called Petworth in England. No, I've no idea where it is either or what about it. But Cork, believe it or not, was the only Irish city. Cork. In fact, it was the only place, there were only two places in the UK and Ireland. One was that Petworth and the other was Cork that came up on their list of influential places. And they said, often overlooked by tourists, Cork is a bustling city with friendly local vibe. Considered the culinary capital of Ireland, it has a sizzling restaurant scene, unique pubs and distilleries and the English market, one of the best food markets in Europe. Cork is easy to navigate on foot and there are many galleries, museums, cathedrals and historical sites to see and you could also head out on day trips to Kinsale Blarney Castle and Gardens the Old Head Golf Course and Cove which was the Titanic's last port of call and port from which many emigrants departed during the Great Famine if you can, says this web this is someone who really did their work if you can, try to visit in June for the Midsummer Festival or October for the jazz festival. Now, you couldn't actually buy that kind of publicity. So here's hoping it works. It's fantastic to see. Uh, Only two cities in Britain and Ireland went on that list of 22 underrated destinations with Condé Nast. Petworth in England. I think it's it's a market town uh, and we are there, our own wonderful city by the way. That was good news at the weekend for anyone who thinks Cork hasn't much to offer. There you go now.
That's us told. The programme edited by Fiona Corkin, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. See you tomorrow, just after nine. The Cork Diary. The Cork Diary is a free service. So if you're a community group, a not-for-profit organisation, or you have a fundraising event you would like mentioned, let us know and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. The Cork Diary. With Tusla Fostering. Now seeking foster carers for short and long-term emergency and respite fostering in Cork. See fostering.ie. On Cork's 96FM. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.